Welcome back to the Soul Back Podcast. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, and I've got Ed with me. What's going on, Ed? What up, Kyle? It's been a week, dog. This podcast might go for three days because we got that much stuff to cover. Man, y'all were wilding out this week. What is going on in the world of R&B? Everybody's crazy. Well, Ed, you remember the last podcast that we did with Tom? And I don't know where Tom is right now, but um, the last podcast we did with him, he was complaining about how LMA was the only thing that we were talking about on the podcast. Well, looks like that will change because, like you said, so much has happened in R&B over the past two weeks, week. You notice how, like, Tom disappears and news starts happening. Tom comes up here, then all we got to talk about is LMA and Music Soul Child. You know what? I think he's probably causing and stirring up some trouble on Twitter, and that's why all of this beef is happening. He might be responsible for, like... (laughs) I can guarantee you Tom right now is stirring up some trouble. He's either stirring up some trouble or stirring up a drink. That's one of the two. I mean, I'm going to put the blame on him for uh, Tiana Taylor slipping on stage, because you know how she was accusing Jeremiah of, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was probably Tom. <laughs> <laughs> he threw a Mario Kart banana peel up there, and that caused that. Mm-hmm. But on a more serious note here, Ed, um, we actually have a special guest coming uh, to the podcast to join us. Uh, Peebo Bryson, our boy. Peebo. My man, Peebo. A lot of listeners might not be very familiar with Peebo. Well, let me tell you something, player. Peebo is one of... The artists of my generation, one of those voices of my childhood that have always resonated. So I can't wait to talk to him about his legacy, talk to him about his kind of experience and veteran status today in 2018. And of course, his new album that just dropped with a pretty fire single. Exactly. And he was actually very close with Aretha Franklin, Ed, who just passed away recently. So it'll be nice to hear from him and and his thoughts about Aretha and her legacy. But... Man, that's a huge loss for music. You know, she's influenced so many people over the years. We talked on Soul and Stereo this past week. Um, it's been it's been great to look back at Aretha's legacy because a lot of people, a lot of younger fans, they know respect and they know maybe natural woman and they know the huge, 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 huge hits. But that woman had so many songs and so many of those songs were sampled in hip hop songs. Got a post on Soul and Stereo that kind of talks about that. Her music's kind of just endured over years. And if you listen to her voice, I know we hype Whitney. I know some of y'all hype Brandy. I know some of y'all hype some of these other newer artists and they're great, no doubt. But if you listen to peak Aretha Franklin voice, it's like freaking water. It is an unbelievable tone, pitch, control that you will never hear once in a lifetime talent. It's an amazing, amazing loss. And we know her as kind of like the crazy memes and the, the funny shade throwing grandma. And she was all that too. But she was also a pioneer in R&B. Absolutely. So we'll get people to talk on Aretha a little more later on. But just want to start out by saying rest in peace. To Aretha. Uh, now, Ed, can we talk about food really quickly before we hop into this craziness known as R&B? Oh, my gosh. Before we talk, hop into food right quick, because we're going to do that. When, let me point this out for those who kind of remember Aretha. So I was reading a piece that was supposed to be memorializing Aretha on Twitter. But instead, it kind of threw some shade at Queen Shade. 
by saying that Aretha was good, but she wasn't hitting reached up the heights of Linda Ronstadt or freaking Kelly Clarkson. Look, y'all. If you want to memorialize our artists, this is why I always say, let's honor our artists while they're still here and not try to throw artists of this generation. Don't get me wrong. I love Kelly Clarkson. She's got a great voice. Linda Ronstadt might actually be in a conversation for someone who could be as good. But play and keep your shade to yourself. Let's use this opportunity to honor artists and not try to put our faves up on the pedestal of someone who is a legendary artist. Because I'm sure Kelly Clarkson herself would like, don't put me in that lie. So y'all just chill out on your hot takes for two seconds and let's honor our legends. Okay, let's talk about food. I had to get that off my okay. chest because y'all got me hot well, that this was, week. That was going to be one of our play of please, but uh, I've got a couple oh. more for you later on. But Oh, we got uh, a whole boatload. Ta- we do want to talk about food right now, Ed. Um, I read an interesting article, Ed, that um, Chick-fil-A will be coming to Canada very soon. And I know Man. nothing about Chick-fil-A, so you're going to have to fill me in on this. What the heck is that? <laughs> it's so funny. You guys are so behind the times. Listen, Chick-fil-A is the greatest fast food franchise ever because this is it's so simple. It's a freaking fried chicken sandwich. Like, that's it. And I know that sounds like, okay, what's the big deal? Taste it, player. Taste it, and you will know what the big deal is. Secondly... I don't know what brainwashing they do at Chick-fil-A, but they have the greatest customer service you will ever see in your life. And this is across the board. Anybody who's been to Chick-fil-A will tell you every order is right. Everything is efficient. The line might be wrapped around a building, but you're going to get your food in 30 seconds. Everything is my pleasure, sir. Blah, 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 blah. It's not the hood that you get when you go to Popeye's. Lord help us if you go there. But if you go to Chick-fil-A, you're getting good food and superior service. Some of their politics, eh, we'll talk about that later. That'll be a different conversation. But as far as straight up food and service, I can't hate, dog. You will soon learn and become a Chick-fil-A converter because it's definitely the type of food you would like. It's true. Tom actually called me the fast food king in our chat uh, the other day. And I was like, damn, that's my nickname, the fast food king? I'll take yes, it, it is. <laughs> but player, I don't know how you were the fast food king, but still weigh the least out of the three of us. How does this happen? I hate you, youngers. We uh, that's that's gonna catch up to me pretty soon. But uh, one more question about food, Ed: Is there a difference bet- between iced tea and sweet tea? Because I don't know what sweet tea is. Oh my! I'm so glad. One day we'll have to get my wife on this podcast because if she heard you say that, she would reach through the microphone and slam your head into your laptop. Player, wow. sweet tea and iced tea are, let me put it this way. Sweet tea is the equivalent of a nice, juicy Starburst. Regular iced tea is like eating a cough drop. Oh. And there the you sugar have it. makes it. The <laughs> sugar makes it. You gotta have it. Unsweetened tea, the best way to drink that is to flush it down the toilet. Oh. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's talk about R&B now. Um, yes. We want to start out with Janet Jackson's new single, Made For Now, produced by Harmony, uh, our boy Harmony, and uh, feature, uh, features Daddy Yankee. And Your what, boy, what Daddy you Yankee. What can you tell me about this record? Because it sounds different. Uh, it sounds different. It's a different sound for Janet. But you got to remember, a lot of people like to lock Janet into some kind of bubble, and she's one of the more diverse artists of her time. She can do... R&B, she can do pop, she can do 
dance. She can do pretty much anything. And this is dance, Latin influence, influence, but it's still a really energetic song. I'm feeling it. I'm not the biggest Daddy Yankee fan in the world. Lord help us there. But besides that, it's a really energetic, fun song. I don't know if she has a new album on the way or if this was just kind of something to keep the, the dance floor popping. But it works for me. Now, Janet's last album was pretty R&B heavy. This one is, I guess, a little more pop. Is I don't know if that's the right word. Do you foresee her going into more of a pop route this time? Because I think she's already established that urban fan base with her last album, which was actually a very solid album. I liked her album. Janet, most Janet albums are pretty good. Even when they're kind of overlooked, they're usually pretty solid. She has very few trash albums. Anyway, I think this if this is indeed a single for a new project, I do think it might set the tone and we might be in for a more danceable album. Again, it might not be something that newer fans would recognize or R&B fans thinking of the Janet 1994 93 era we kind of recognize but she's this is not out of her zone this is the kind of stuff she does and stuff she does well so it wouldn't surprise me if she kind of went back to the dance and the upbeat music because it's kind of what she does it's all good with me as long as it's solid yep and i think she's uh she's going back on the road for her state of the world tour she's already done a a couple of legs on that tour but it looks like she's going to continue she's been adding more and more dates so it's good to see janet on the road it's good to see her active good lord that i swear that i think we saw her maybe a year and a half ago on that tour and that thing will not stop that woman does not sleep (laughs) but she had a song called no sleep so i guess it makes sense Yeah, so I think we can look forward to new Janet Jackson music coming up pretty soon. I think once we start hearing more, we'll be able to discuss it in detail. Um, Ed, I've got some very, very, very exciting news for you, and I've been waiting all week for this. Oh my god, I know where this is going. And on our chat a couple of days ago, I almost called for an emergency podcast because this song came out. Actually, you did call for an emergency podcast, but you were the only one excited. So go ahead and yeah. tell the world. And and you know what's exciting when uh, in, in the emojis, there's one that's like sirens going off. Like I was <laughs> sending that like a million times trying to get your attention, but we're going to get it out there. Let me breathe for a second, Ed. Ashanti oh. and Ja Rule, Encore, they're back with a new song, which apparently was a leak, but... Man, it's good to hear from Ja Rule and Ashanti in 2018. I've been waiting oh. since, oh, I've been waiting since 2005 for this. And I'm sure you have because the song sounds straight out of 2005. Look here, player. The song is called Encore. It sa- samples the, you know, your love deserves an encore that has been also sampled out of the behind over the years. It's fine. It sounds like a Jarul and Ashanti song. It's 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 their wheelhouse, but Lord knows Ashanti still sound like she just woke up. Them vocals flatter than the ironing board, but I don't <laughs> let me be the one to dampen your fun, dog. You have fun with that one. Like you said though, Ja came out later and said that that was kind of a leak and wasn't really an official single, but a lot of people were feeling it and despite my shade, it's okay. And I know, good lord, you probably listened to it 74 times since then. Well, I actually did some uh, research on the song. Um, not on Wikipedia, believe it or not, but on Google, oh, which makes it, a, makes it a little less reliable. But um, 
Apparently this song was recorded in 2005 and they just dropped it or it leaked recently. So that's why it sounds like it's from 2005. Ashanti's vocals have improved dramatically since 2005. Thank you. Oh, they have, huh? Uh Uh-huh. Well, we'll have to see with the new music that she puts out. But um, it's interesting, Ed. Like, I thought about this. Maybe it was smart for them to put out a song that was created in 2005 because there's that nostalgic factor. You put those two in the studio today, and we might be looking at some trap stuff. So I wonder why oh. artists don't do that more. I mean, I, and it's not a bad idea if you're looking to capitalize on nostalgia. But the tricky thing with nostalgia is, of course, again, we've talked about this a trillion times. A lot of record executives want trends. They want artists to follow trends. They don't want you to do something. They don't want experiments. They want something that's tried and true that's going to lie their, line their pockets. And if that means trap, that means trap. So... I'm as far as a buzz single, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad at putting out something that kind of was good that didn't get the public didn't get to hear and it came from your heyday because it does speak to that nostalgia factor. Problem is, it does set a precedent for people to think, okay, we're gonna get that classic sound. So if they drop this and then come out with a trap album, it's gonna be some pretty mad Ashanti fans out there. So we'll see. But for just a leak, again, I thought it was okay and. It wouldn't be bad to be to get some buzz from people looking for that nostalgia fix, like the cows of the world. Exactly, but wouldn't it be because I know Donnell did it? Donnell Jones did, or Darnell Jones? Sorry about that. Darnell, um, yes, did, did it right. He released a B side album a while ago of like all the records that he had recorded over the years that never came out. I think it was I forget what it's called, but um, wouldn't you want to see that from someone like Keith Sweat if he just went in the vault and just started releasing songs that he made in 1994. Blair, I would lose my mind. I would be turning up on a Sunday. Yes, on the Lord's Day. So I would be losing my mind. Again, it plays to the nostalgia. But if you're looking for sales from an executive standpoint, they're going to be very wary of that because they're going to be like, well, nobody wants to buy 1994 music. They want to buy... 2008 music and 2008 music is trapping and challenges uh i beg to differ i'm pretty sure bruno mars went into like teddy riley's 1993 hard drive and just re-recorded the songs on 24 oh my god i'm just kidding (laughs) but no i i definitely agree with what you're saying because you also have to remember and give bruno props for this there is a rising resurgence of kind of this 90s nostalgia that's going out there. There's a lot of... This is true. I mean, there are a lot of kids that I work with that are just like... And my wife as well. She'll be like talking about her students who say, Oh, have you heard of this group called Escape? They had this song called Just Kicking It. Have you heard of that? And of course we're like, Get out of my face, you little orphan child. Because that is our childhood, but even they're starting to recognize. I said it a million times on this podcast, play. Good music is good music. When people are exposed to it, it will always gravitate toward good music. Unfortunately, in these days, people aren't exposed to it, so we just got to pretend that trash we get is good. So, mm-hmm. if we make some kind of nostalgia pitches that throw back, certainly, I would love to have that. I'm just not confident that the market and by market i mean record executives would be cool with that right and um speaking of bruno 
I know a lot of people were calling him a culture vulture or, a, or appropriating the culture. But here's some interesting news for you, Ed. He's uh, because Cardi B dropped out of the tour because I think she just she's a she just had a kid, so I don't think she's ready right. to uh, hit the stage. So um, because of that, Bruno's added a couple new opening acts to his uh, to his tour. He has Boys to Men, Sierra, mm-hmm. Ella May, and Charlie Wilson. So that's like R&B royalty for every generation. Every generation has somebody that they can listen to. And this comes from Bruno Mars, a pop artist, and he's bringing these artists on tour with him. So, I mean, that's pretty cool of him. I don't – like, he's definitely giving back to the genre. So Giving back to the genre more than anybody else. I don't see your boy um, T-Pain giving back to the genre like that. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. I don't see any of these other stumble bums kind of doing the same thing. The thing is this. I don't understand why we continue to shoot darts and arrows at the guys who are actually contributing to the genre. It doesn't matter that his face isn't African-American. He is doing more for R&B in his position than artists who are in bigger positions or insane positions and are doing. I mean, think, listen, here's the who. This is the part where you send your hate tweets to E.T. Bowser. I love Beyonce as much as y'all. Beyonce is the biggest artist in the world. Beyonce came up on R&B. Tell me what Beyonce is doing right now to further the R&B genre. Silence. Because she is. And I'm not saying that she should, but she could. But Bruno is someone who is still a top tier artist who is doing a whole lot to get exposure to the veterans of the game. And that is how you give back. So I don't care that he doesn't have the same skin tone as mine because he's still doing more than anybody else to keep the genre that we love alive. So to call him a culture vulture is complete garbage. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And this is no shot at Beyonce because Beyonce is Beyonce. She can do whatever she wants. But I'm just looking back at some of the tours she's done. And she has brought out some... R&B acts as as her openers, Luke James a couple of years ago, and uh, prior to that, I think it was Rich Girl. But now that I think about it, both of them were associated with the Destiny's Child brand because I think um, Frank Gatson, who's like her, some part of her team, uh, managed both of those acts. So it's like it was probably more like a favor for a favor. But man, it would be nice if because I know Jay and Beyonce are on tour right now. Imagine if they brought out. I don't know. I'm trying to think of names right now, but they haven't done that. I think the opening act is DJ Khaled. So uh, <laughs> I don't know how that you helps R&B. That act, I guess he's just screaming affirmations to y'all or whatever. But yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and again, I'm not saying because somebody's going to be, oh, the Beyonce. Blah, blah, blah. Listen, I'm not saying that she is obligated to do anything. But the point I'm trying to make here is that if we want the genre to thrive and get better, it comes, it's on both sides. And I think that you open the doors, when you're in a position to open the doors for people, that's what you do. Now, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z aren't obligated to do that. Bruno isn't obligated to do that. But he's doing it, and we should celebrate him for doing it. Instead of tearing him down because his grade of hair is different, or whatever foolishness we've come up with. So, if they aren't doing it, cool. But look at the dude who ain't black, who is doing more for the genre than the people who are. You can get mad if you want to, but find the line in that statement. 
Yeah, and I'm waiting for your girl Rihanna to start bringing some of these R&B acts on tour with her because she's R&B, right? Oh, you better keep on waiting for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, Ed, before we get people on the podcast, um, I read an interesting article. Um, I hope you're ready for this. It says that um, research shows that people over the age of 30 do not look for new music. I know. Actually, not. Now, listen. I mean, I, like, I'm Ed, look, listen. I, I know you're not part of that research because clearly you're still searching for new music. But the regular person over the age of thirty has given up. And Ed, I turned thirty in about two years, so I'm just gonna be chilling with my Shanti music in two years. I hope you're ready for that. <laughs> your Shanti and your Neptune's mixtapes—that will be you. But, you know, honestly, I, I don't argue that. I think that's very true. When I look at my kind of the um, my generation and even some of my readers who are around my age, a lot of them, even when I big up an album from an artist they aren't familiar with, a lot of times they're like, oh, well, I don't know. I'll check it out if I will. Now, if it's a, an established artist they already like, okay, then they'll check it out. But they're very hesitant to try newer genres. And I don't think this is a new thing. I mean, look at my parents' generation. My parents like who they like. My parents are not rocking LMA. And, I mean, I'm sure you can say the same thing. A lot of our our forefathers, parents, grandparents, you get to a certain age where you kind of just cut off. And you're like, this is what I like. Music is changing and getting weird. And I've always said that music kind of changes and gets a new audience and turns over every 10 years or so. So once you get that turnover, you kind of like, let me stick with this. There's going to be a job or a generation and you're part of this generation who are only going to be stuck with like stuff from their cutoff going to be like 2009. Anything after that, they're like, give me my Mario and my Neo and my Darnell Jones and my Alicia Keys, <laughs> yep. and leave me alone. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's how... No, that isn't new. I do think we do ourselves a disservice, though, because there's lots of good music out there without waiting on your favorites from 20 years ago to come back. Well, I think it's tough because the way we consume music now is so much different than even when I was growing up in my teenage years. I remember, and I'm saying this because I did it back then. I don't, I don't claim that I do it now, but I might. But I remember downloading every album and every leak in R&B that came out at that time. And I would actually listen to every album, whether it mm-hmm. was someone like Keisha Cole, Mario, to your girl Sharifa. I think you remember her. Like, I would I listen to all Sharifa. of that. Oh, man, her debut had some bangers. But I remember actually sitting down and listening to all of it. I can't do that anymore, not at least to the extent that I did before. And if I can't do it, I know a lot of, like, my peers, they just rely on Spotify playlists. So they can't really even live with albums anymore. It's just whatever is on the playlist. That's how they discover their music. So it's kind of scary. That is exactly right. Because when it comes to the way I kind of look at music, it's like no other person. Because the way I consume music is basically like a job. Like, every Friday when we get new albums, I make a list of the albums that came out and then I add it to a larger list and I will go through and I will listen to those albums and as you know some of them I'll review I can't review all of them because good lord I got another job chill out so I do that and if I don't get to it I will still go back and revisit that list when I have time and kind of catch up with stuff 
So to do that, almost my wife looks at it because she knows his list. She's like, this is like homework. Like, how do you have time to do this? Whereas she, pretty much all the new music she gets is from Spotify lists or title lists or she listens to NPR and, you know, of course, something that I might recommend from my site she might listen to. But we just don't have time in our society with as much new music that comes out that we have to consume. There's always something dropping. And the ease of music coming out is just so much easier these days with the digital platform. It's overwhelming. So it takes a lot of the, you know, I got souls and the soul and stereos to kind of weed out the good stuff. So when we say you need to check out that that animal or that Van Jess, you know, OK, that's something to check out. But other than that, who would you even know to listen to? We don't have video soul anymore to tell us who's hot and go sit on the couch or 106 in part. You kind of don't know. Yep, this is absolutely true. And I think you made a mention on the uh, Soul & Stereo Cypher. You guys should go join that on Facebook if you haven't already. That uh, The way that these kids nowadays look at Usher is probably how we used to look at like Lionel Richie when we were younger. It's exactly it's like, how. And that's scary because we grew up on Usher. Yes, exactly. And it's weird to me because Usher is, he's like maybe a year older than me. I think he turns 40 this year. He's like a year or two older than me, something like that. And, but like the kids that I work with, they think Usher's an old man. They were talking the other day when Nicki Minaj's album came out. And of course, when Nicki comes out, there's always a comparison to Lil' Kim. One dude told me, it was like, Lil' Kim is an old lady who hasn't done anything. And of course, you know, I just faint because I'm like, old lady who hasn't done anything. Your girl just copied and pasted her whole career and made it into a career. But the way R&B and hip-hop has always been set up, it's always been a young man and a young woman's game. Once you're 10 years out of it, and especially 20 years removed from your debut, you get written off. That's very unfair, but unfortunately, that's the market. So, yeah, Lil' Kim and Usher are senior citizens, according to the children. And you as well, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've, I've like died and come out of the sarcophagus. I am a R&B zombie. All right. Now, speaking of little children, uh, let's get into Ariana Grande's album a little bit. We don't really <laughs> talk about her too much on this on this podcast. Um, her first album was very R&B, but since then, she's bang-banged and side-to-side side and all your favorite Ugh. songs on pop radio. But she's out with her new album, Sweetener, which was half-produced by um, Pharrell. And the other portion of it is some of that bang-bang music. And then some of it's written by Victoria Monet. So shout-outs to Victoria. Uh, we've interviewed her a couple of times on the site. But, man, they're pissed about this album, the Ariana fans, because Pharrell's magical touch is not what they were looking for. Pharrell's magical touch, only from the lips of Kyle. I listened to the album, and, of course, we now, well, this album didn't get the sirens like the Ashanti um, track did. Kyle did hype it up and say, oh, it's pretty decent. You got to check it out. And I listened to it and I thought it was okay. It's definitely her best album in a long time. I like it feels more cohesive than a lot of her stuff. This feels kind of slapdash to me. And of course, it's produced by Pharrell. So it's pretty solid as far as production. The old, He produced most of it. Some of the singles and stuff are kind of throwback Ariana. However, 
Yeah, you said it about the kids. It just feels a little juvenile to me. Some of the lyrics and some of it's weird. But the thing is, her fans just did not want this sound, and that goes back to something that we've talked about before. Fans, when they latch on to an artist, think back to what you were just saying about her first album. Her first album, I love. It sounded very R&B-ish. But it was her second and third albums where she really blew up. And that's when she really captured her fan base. So they wanted those albums, this album, to sound like those albums. And it doesn't. And number one, in her defense, why should it? She's already, like Jay-Z said, you want my old albums, go buy my old albums. If you want my old sound, I want to do something different. She should be allowed to do something different so it doesn't sound stale. But... Fans want what they want, and they want their artists to sound like they like forever and a day. So if you came on Ariana and her second album, Bang Bang, you want her to make Bang Bang music until she's 74 years old. And that will not work. Because if it doesn't, my biggest case, look at DMX. Man, 65 years old, still howling at the moon and barking. That's a problem. <laughs> you got to evolve with your music. And to Ariana's credit, she tried to do that. It's didn't quite work because I feel like she was still catering to the teeny boppers, so she was sounding like a Care Bear too much sometimes. But the intent was there. But fans just want what they want, and I, it's unfair. But that's how it goes, dog. Yeah, I remember seeing a bunch of comments on Twitter. I think one was like, uh, "We need a petition to get rid of Pharrell from Ariana's music permanently." Oh my god! Oh, uh, someone wrote as someone wrote. Uh, let Pharrell know that he can produce on Ariana's albums again once he stops being inspired by Samsung dishwashers. <laughs> I thought that was pretty. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was you know, actually me, funny. That was funny, but you know what? I did, did like a handful of songs on that album. Um, a lot of it, and I think this was the same issue with Justin Timberlake's album: is that that type of sound, that Neptune sound, it doesn't cater to today's audience at all. It's definitely nostalgic for us because we grew up on it, but I mean, we're not really the target audience for Ariana, so I'm not really sure what the intent of this album is. I mean, it was definitely to evolve her sound, but I mean, the reach for this album isn't going to be massive because, like I said, the only people that really care for Pharrell's sound at this point in terms of the mainstream are probably the ones that grew up listening to the Neptunes. Well, I do think that he still has a little bit more reach. It's not just us 2002 guys wanting another version of grinding. I do think he has a little bit more reach. But I do agree with what you're saying. My, I feel like I haven't mentioned my wife like eight times on this podcast. But she's an Ariana fan. And she, um, she keeps hoping that she puts out something like the first album and it never happens. But she listened to it Friday. And she was just kind of like, you know... It's okay, but I want it to be blah, blah, blah. And like I said, I said exactly what you said. We are in her audience. Her audience is bang, bang, and yay, look at the sparkles on my eyelids and whatever else they got going on. Yay, Snapchat. So, like, that's what she's catering to. Even though she's getting older, that's still what she's catering to. So, it's going to be really tricky for Ariana coming up in the next couple years and next couple releases because that audience is going to mature eventually and she's in this weird place where she still wants to speak to him but needs to grow with him and it's really tricky to do that and it's only happened maybe a few times successfully 
because we see a lot that happened a lot in R&B with the Trey Songs generation where their fan base grew up and they still out here, you know, saying ah and whatever and everybody's kind of like, "Man, what are you doing?" So they're kind of grasping to get back that legacy they once had. So Ariana might be heading that way, but for now, this will probably be a hit for her. I'll give her that much. Yup. <laughs> no. Uh so I'm just going to name out a couple of records that I did like on this album. Uh, R.E.M. was a cool one. That successful, was my favorite. Successful sounds like a classic Neptune's type of record. And then there's uh, one near the end. It, it you didn't did, think so? It, no, it, it, it did sound like a Neptune's type of record. But that was one of the ones that like was almost good to me. But it just sounded a little too sprites and fairies and pixie dust to me. Like It was a little too sugary. And I know that yeah. was kind of like the, the that part of the theme of the album, but it was just a little too much. But I right. loved R.E.M. I agree with that. What was the one near so, the end that you liked? Uh, Get Well Soon. I think it's like the very last song. The last song? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one too. Yeah. And then she brought Missy Elliott back from the dead on a song, so that was pretty cool too. Excuse me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm going to take you to but, the dead. But Missy's that been out here right- doing her thing. That record right there sounded like a classic Neptune record, the one with Missy. A lot of it did. A lot of it really yeah. sound like, and not in a not in a Shanti and Ja Rule way, but it, a lot of it did sound like 2003 Neptunes. And I didn't say yeah. it sounded dated, but it was reminiscent of their heyday. I didn't mind that at all, but if you grew up 10 years after that sound came out, I can understand you being like, what is this? No, this is true. I have... I know people that are significantly younger than I am, and even now when I get, I tried getting them to listen to like "I Still Love You" by Seven O Two, and they don't get it. They're like, "What's with all these cowbells going off?" And I'm like, Damn. "So, player, welcome to my world. And you will soon embrace the oldness, where everything you love will be considered weak and weird." And that is sad. <laughs> it's real, player. All right, so, Ed, we're going to get people on the podcast now. So, like I said, guys, it's another week, another episode. And, um, I mean, we haven't had a guest in a minute, but we definitely had to bring this gentleman to the podcast. Oh, man, I am too hyped today. Today, we are honored to welcome one of the most cherished and enduring vo- voices in the history of R&B. His career kind of spans man, four decades, now that I think of it, giving us hit after hit and... Personally, he's the voice behind some of the greatest moments of Disney movie history, of my childhood, the one and only Mr. Peebo Bryson. What up, Peebo? We're very happy to have you today. Ed, you guys are great, man. That's, that's way too, too gracious an uh, uh, introduction, mate. Way too no, gracious. Absolutely. Absolutely, people. Now, before we get started, can we also refer to you as Aladdin on this podcast? Because I know uh, oh my God. you did that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pebo, let me warn tell, you about tell Kyle. Me you're Listen, Ed, save me from him. Just tell me you're going to save me from him. I've been trying for years. I can't promise anything. This guy is out of control. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, absolutely. Um, but, people, let's talk about those Disney records for a bit. You know, how did you get into that? How How was that pitched to you originally? You know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, is destined to be. You don't know it is. You just know it is. 
don't really know, but you just, you know, you have faith. And uh, faith is a funny thing. Uh, it it takes a lot of patience. That's what faith requires more than anything else, a lot of patience. Besides the depth of it and the veracity of it, it requires a lot of faith. I mean, a lot of patience. Um, so when I was at Columbia, I agreed to, I was asked if I knew who Celine Dion was. And I said, of course I do. She has an amazing instrument. And he said, well, what would you, how would you feel about singing something with her in the future? I said, I would love to. I would be honored to. And I had never met her. We didn't, you know, officially know each other. But my A&R uh, guy at Columbia was a gentleman by the name of Jay Landers, whose father was Hal Landers, who was king of B-movies, you know, Smoking the Bandit and all that. Yeah. That was his father. So through his Hollywood connections through his father, he, he got a chance to actually see the, the new animation. It was cutting edge at the time. Nobody was doing anything like it. It had never been done before. He saw it, um, and he just had the presence of mind to ask, you know, is there any music? And they said, funny, you should ask. There's a song, Beauty and the Beast. Celine and I, although I had agreed to sing something with her, we didn't know what it was going to be. There wasn't a song. It didn't exist. And that's when he put those two things together. Uh, it's just one of those things, if you're, if you're paying attention, and this is probably good information for, for a new artist, if, if, a, if an A&R guy is going to spend countless hours uh, sorting through uh, hundreds of songs to try to find 20 that you might like, you might want to take the opportunity to go by and listen with him, see what he's thinking, how he's thinking, what he thinks of you, what he thinks of the music, get, give him a sense of your taste, musical taste, and get a sense of musical taste from him. That's how I got Can You Stop the Rain? <laughs> because I was asked my opinion about it for a female vocalist, uh, a female artist on the label. I, I, don't, I won't name any names because she didn't get it. I, I said it'd be a, <laughs> a, a good song for her, but I think it'd be a great song for me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I mean, you know you snooze, you lose. I mean, it's, you have to be there. So I was there in those moments and, and agreeing to the right thing without consulting anybody. I didn't, I didn't call my manager and ask him if it was okay uh, to, to, to promise to sing a song with Celine Dion. I just said, yeah, I think it's a great, she's, a, she's a great artist and a great instrument. You, didn't, you don't know it's a song. You just have faith that the right song is going to come along. <laughs> and I couldn't be more grateful for Beauty and the Beast than all those idiots who turned, it down, turned down this project prior to me, by the way. They turned Man. It down. Can you? They decided that they didn't want to... The, the hardcore R&B artists decided that they didn't want to risk alienating their, their fan base. I don't know what kind of logic that is. As if we, we as a culture... Perhaps we're we're not children ever, <laughs> right? You <know? laughs> and it, you've got to be. There's something seriously wrong with you. I mean, and your moral compass has to be really off to not like any Disney. <laughs> nope. <laughs> you got to be off. You, you got to be off somewhere. You know what I mean? You got to. Yeah, I think. And, and you're exactly right. Than and what Kyle is. That's <laughs> 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 wacky. And the thing is, Kyle, man, you knew it was coming, mate. Give it to him. Give it to him. Because I give it to him. And I think what we miss is that, and that was a great point you brought up, Pebo, about stepping out of your lane. Because doing the the Beauty and the Beast song and then A Whole New World from Aladdin Mm -hmm. opened you up to so many more. Because that's how I 
fell in love with people. Like that's the sound that I knew you from. And oh, you know, it was that with working with Regina, working with Celine. Exactly. And that's what opened doors. How Ed, listen, if I'm honest, it's it's what what bridged that gap. That's that's that inevitable gap between generations when you when it comes right. down to it, you know, because that's what you grew up on. I mean, I I've had uh, I, I I performed Beauty and the Beast and Anna and Aladdin at, at the Thurgood Marshall annual event, and the some of the volunteers who were had benefited from uh, from the scholarship came back to uh, you know offer their services gratis, of course, mm-hmm. um, and. Man, I mean, it was funny to, to look at college graduates weepy-eyed. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. They were weepy-eyed because when I, when 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 I performed Shooting the Beast, it took them back to their it took them back to their happy place. Do you understand what I'm saying? Exactly. So that right. bridging that gap, I couldn't have I couldn't have orchestrated that if I if if I were a, let's see a great writer. If I were William Shakespeare, Wadsworth. And Alexander Pushkin. <laughs> I couldn't have I couldn't have scripted it better. Perfect. Right. And and speaking of those those Disney tracks, I got to ask you this because I've been meaning to ask this forever. So, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Which one is your favorite? What's the better movie? <laughs> Taking the songs out of it. What's the better movie? Which one you feel it more? No, here's the thing. You gotta here's what you gotta understand about them. Here's what's unique about those songs. Um, the first time I heard Beauty and the Beast, you know, because I I needed to learn it, I had to listen to it over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know, it, it, these songs don't come with a a vocal guide. You have to understand something. Uh, it didn't come to us that way, and so there was there was no suggestion of how we should approach it. Uh, there's no instructions, and the producers, um, that's not actually, Walter Athanasi, that's just, that's not his thing. I mean, he wants it to be you. That's that's all he wants, you to do what you do. So he doesn't give any instructions. There are no instructions. What you hear, heard on the record is what we gave it. It was all spontaneous. I mean, you know, but you have to understand something. First, Read Marcus Aurelius, what is the thing in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. What does it do? So what is Beauty and the Beast? It is, essentially, it's an abject lesson from Disney to all children around the globe to employing them to look past the physical in order to find the true beauty and character in a person or anything, for that matter, you know? If there's a better lesson to be taught then you, you to our children, then you tell it to me. I'm, I missed mm-hmm. that point, you know. So, you, when you you have to keep that in mind. That's what that's what we did. That's what Celine and I did. We looked at it for what it was, listen to the melody, um, listen to the the track over and over and over. Looked at the words, fitted the words in, and but to, to more accurately answer your question, these two songs were written by the same people. And the, the thing I noticed about Beauty and the Beast, first of all, was. Even though I don't care how many times I had to repeat it, replay it, to learn it and to interpret it for myself, I never got tired of it. And the same for mm-hmm. a whole new world. Just don't get tired of it. 
Now Disney gets tired of you, so they don't they don't actually <laughs> repeat. You know, they don't they, they they don't repeat. They just don't do it. You know, it's a, some rule that they adopted a while back, but they don't repeat. So I didn't even think about the the next song, and I didn't hear a whole new a whole new world until they had tried so many people on it. I, I when I heard it, I said, "Good luck. Go ahead, try anybody you want. You'll be back." <laughs> <laughs> You'll be back because that's a tough one. Of the two songs, "Home in the World" is more difficult to sing for anybody. But man, you and Regina put your stamp on that. That don't you dare close your eyes. That is an iconic line. Well, here's the thing. But again, there's no instruction. These songs do not come with instructions. Right. The only you 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 will only get what we gave it. Period. That's it. And you know, Celine was all worried that she was gonna step into a recording booth and and blow somebody away. So you know, trying to figure out how much she was gonna have to pull back. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Right. But the 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 look in her eyes when she realized that she didn't have to do anything; she could just be herself was was a wonderful thing to see. That she relaxed immediately and and knew she could trust me to. Go keep up with wherever she decided to go, and I could trust her to keep up with whether I wherever I needed have decided to go. So there's a kind of an instant trust. We didn't actually meet each other until the actual recording itself, studio. Oh, I know, right? Right. <laughs> Regina Bell, I knew of. I mean, here's the thing with Regina. I don't know if it's her training at Rutgers or or what, but I can tell you this: if a song is difficult to sing. It's cake to her. I mean, it's just cake. <laughs> she she just eats it up alive. She's, and you and Regina had worked together in the past because uh, some of right. our newer listeners might not know, but Pivo is the master of the duet. So yep. if there is anybody that's out there, you can bet there's probably a pairing with Pivo in there. I feel like that R&B is missing that that connection with the duet. Is that something that from your standpoint, that the genre needs in 2018 more duets, or have we evolved past that? Well, here's the thing. We, in the first place, as a culture, musically or socially, we can we can ill afford to uh, not consolidate our resources in one way or another. You know what I mean? And if the resource is talent, then we shouldn't hesitate. This is the way you really grow is to is to sit, actually stand side beside a person. I mean, you know, everybody's fast until you're standing beside Carl Lewis, you know. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> you know, everybody's mm-hmm. fast until then. But, you know, uh, and Carl Lewis was fast until the, the probability of him standing beside Hussein Bolt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I'm saying that we get progress, progressively better uh, by involving ourselves or aligning ourselves with others who of our ilk. Uh, um, so you challenge yourself. I don't compete uh, under any circumstances with anyone or anything except for myself. That's just my philosophy. Some people can can uh, adapt to that. Some people cannot. Some people feel a challenge and they rise to it. I I don't feel challenged by anything. I don't even do possession or jealousy. I mean, those are wasted emotions and wasted energy. I don't, I'm probably one of the reasons I'm 
still alive and could still um, make a son at my age. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I got a seven and a half month old. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. I got a little boy. How about that? Right. So I, I'm saying that there is a there's a certain kind of uh, solidarity that 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 my culture has to show, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think a certain kind of solidarity that the music industry and any music fellowship should show. Music fellowship is not what it used to be. It's not individualized, like I'm saying at this particular point. Uh, music fellowship encompasses a, a, a variety of different genres of music at this particular point. From culture to culture, it's it's m- far more diverse than it ever was before. So, no, could, do I think it's missing? I think that the camaraderie and in, 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 uh, the uh, at least the appearance of, of music fellowship and and solidarity is, uh, I think it's it, it would would it make things better? Absolutely, because mm-hmm. you can reach people, uh, uh, you know, on a philosophical level, uh, on, through music quicker than you can with the greatest sermon on the on on the planet. You know, I mean. You can you Very can sing true. at people when you can sing at people when when I don't care how true what it is or how right or how necessary it is you're shouting, it, it's still condescending to them. Right. <laughs> <I> mean, right. <laughs> how about that? Right. And it's a little thing right. that people rarely think about, but that's how you approach it. I mean, as eloquent as as Martin King's uh, uh, speech in Washington was, and how fervently it reached. Every every person, and and no matter how many times he went to jail for the right thing, for standing up for the right thing in a nonviolent way, it wasn't him who actually changed the way black folk look at black folk. It was James Brown. Mm. With a song called "Say It Loud." I'm black and I'm proud. And not only did he change the way we use that word black and the way we viewed ourselves from the perspective of being black, he changed the way the world viewed it. One song. They would accept it from him quicker than they, than the eloquent words, the eloquent and passionate, fervent words, perhaps the, one of the greatest speeches known to man. Think about that. I mean, that's the power mm-hmm. of music right there. I mean, Pastor Pete came that? to preach today on his podcast. I know uh, that. Uh, it, yep. is it is Sunday. <laughs> it is Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, but that's what I, you don't, you weren't born then, but I, you have to understand I'm old enough to have been born in segregation. So I can tell you who, what it was like in a way that you could never internalize. And right. I'm telling you that we use the word black to insult each other. I'm not kidding. You black. And the, and the harsher we could make that black, the harsher it was. How about that? That's right. Unfortunately, that's, that's how it's moved. Yep. And, and, and someone, someone who is not will never be as eloquent as, as the great Martin Luther King. Never. But certainly someone who was surely and truly just as passionate said something so simple 
gave us an idea of an anthem so simple and, and, and taught us something so precious, and that was trying to teach us to love ourselves because it doesn't matter about whether someone else loves you or not if you don't love yourself. It doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, that's true. And you look at today's climate with we're um, kind of like this divisive time, and we see a lot of younger artists trying to come out with songs that kind of speak to the black experience and, you know, to that I'm black, you know, say it proud, I'm black and I'm proud. Um, are, what do you think about younger artists doing more music that speaks to socially conscious efforts and kind I, I of kinda look protest at the, music? I, I, okay, I'm going to answer that question. Uh, and it's a good question. And 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 um, Kyle, you can join, jump, jump in anytime you want to. Don't feel on the, you know, any way about it. You can jump in. No, no, I'm <laughs> learning. <laughs> all right, okay, all right. And if, if you if you listening to learn, and I'm fine with that. So Ed, you you're good. So don't let Ed back you off. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I look at I look at the 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 young artists the same way I look at young black athletes now. They're shy about putting their livelihood and their their, their lifestyles at risk. Mm-hmm. I, did I say it right? Or I, I mean, I can I can. I ain't it. heard I, a lie you yet. You ask me, I, you 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 ask me a question, and I can I cannot lie. I'm sorry. If I you ain't ask heard me a lie. Direct question. I'm going to give you a direct and honest answer. I mean, no. should 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 all of them hold out until Kaepernick has a job? Absolutely. I don't care what anybody Woo. says. But everybody's not. Let me let me just let me just be be real. Everybody's not LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Everybody doesn't care. Everybody does. Nobody wants to. Everybody wants to to, to be black until it until it costs them a, a dollar. But they need to take Whoa. that same philosophy. They need to take that same philosophy and understand that the NFL is is. Is fine um, violating their constitutional rights to protest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, it is it is a crime what they're, they're they're suggesting. They can't stop you from from peaceful protest and taking a knee. They can't stop them. That's unconstitutional. It's against the law, in other words. So, but, but <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm just saying that won't make people want to play that game. You have to understand what's great about Arthur Ashe and, and Ali. They had nobody else there. That was a personal and individual choice they made like Kaepernick made. He made the same choice as Ali and the same choice as 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 uh, Arthur Ashe did. You got to understand Arthur Ashe was in in South Africa and uh, during the height of apartheid. What you have to understand about Arthur Ashe is that he never traveled with an entourage. He was alone, mate. Do you understand? There was nobody else around to help him or look over his back. Right. Look out for his back. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you make that statement, you make a stance, that's, that means that it's like we bandied the words I love you around all of the time in, in such a cavalier and casual way that it it pisses me off sometimes. I think it pisses God off personally. If you want my my personal opinion, it's like you know passing by the the color purple and not acknowledging its presence. I mean, it is. You know, when when someone says "I love you," uh, I I truly believe the only question to be asked and answered is, "Will you die for me?" And will you die for it? Mm. Mm. Now, anything else is fairy glamour and conjecture and and rhetorical. 
And I think that, that's where the power of music comes in because that uh, allows that. you to convey well, that. Let, let me let me say this in 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 in, uh, in defense of young uh, uh, artists who uh, some of them have actually gone socially conscious and said some things that really need to be said in such a poignant way that it made me proud to listen. But then they they backed up. Right. They, you know, there, there, there was there was no more. There's no, we won't name any names and all that kind of stuff. I'm not because I'm not casting aspersions to anybody that stood. I don't care if you stood for just if you stood for five minutes. That's that's more than anybody else's standing. Mm-hmm. I'll take that and I'll applaud you for it. Because I mean, the, the courage does have a shelf life. You realize? Oh, that is oh, yeah, bro. Pebo <laughs> is coming with it today. Speaking yeah. of courage. And Kyle, mm-hmm. I know you can speak to this one. You know, we lost one of the greats before you came on, Pebo. We were don't talking a little start. bit. Listen, listen, don't even start with me about that one. Let me, let me, let me, let me just let me let me start with you about that one. Yes. There's there's such a thing as greatness. Some people achieve it in a lifetime. Some people achieve it in half a lifetime. Some people are born to greatness. There is mm, nothing mm. for it. You, it cannot be stopped. And when you talk about the queen of soul, you're talking about someone who was born to be the queen. She was born to reign. And let me let me explain to you what reigning means. What the queen of soul means that everybody else on this planet who can sing and sing their buns off, really sing, truly talented female vocalists, all were a part of her court willingly because they knew they would never, as long as she's on this good earth, be the queen. I'm just telling you what I know. And and, and it's, if you were fortunate enough to, 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 be, to catch the queen's eye and, and, and be invited into her inner sanctum, which is uh, to become a true friend. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. I, a, a most thorough and, thorough and gracious love you will never, ever know in this lifetime, man. Not in this lifetime. She loved the music and she loved her friends and she wanted to be loved. And you got to understand something. There's a difference between being admired by the world and being loved by it. And see, and one thing that, and Kyle knows this, Bebo, one thing that gets me hot in 2018 is this insistence on labeling everybody a legend and labeling everybody an icon mm. and laying everybody legendary. But well, let me just let me just live that. Ed, so, Ed, 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 let me just say this. You know, you can't write autobiographies, autobiographies at twenty-one. You you hit what I was about to say. Yes, sir. Tell Dude, me. you can't write them not at twenty-one. There's not enough enough life lived, and you got to understand what it takes to survive out here. Exactly. Someone who has survived. You know, it's a, just the the survival itself. I can't tell you. I can't even begin to tell you. <laughs> survival is an extraordinary accomplishment. But you have to understand that when Aretha was 12, they already knew what she was going to be. Her father already, already knew what she was. That meant that if, if he said it to her at 12, if he had formed her at 12, how long did he mm. I'm just I'm just saying. If... There's some people who sing a song, 
and they define it. I don't care what song it is. I don't care how many times it's been sang by anybody else. They define it just because they sing it. This is such a unique thing that somebody who would, Aretha could sing happy birthday and it would be different forever. Mm-hmm. You, you follow me? I mean, it's like, you think about the great songs and then all the genres of music that she, that she encompassed, to call her the queen of soul, uh, it, I, I only accept that that moniker because when she sang, she spoke to any soul who who listened to that, that music and that voice. That's the and only you, reason I let it even stand, <laughs> because she was the queen of all female vocalists everywhere. And let me just say this. Well, men, too, if I'm honest. I mean, there's not a female vocalist. No, you're vocalist not wrong. Or, no, listen, there's not a female vocalist or a vocalist, period, on this planet that's worth his salt, that has anything that moves us at all, that did not take his cue from Aretha Franklin. I don't care who or what it is. This is true. You know, you talked I mean, about yeah. You talked about taking a song and owning it. I, I mean, think about Amazing Grace. How many people please, have sung Amazing Grace? It's a thousand, but a thousands of times. Yeah, thousands. I mean, it's like writing about King Arthur and and the you know Excalibur. It's, there there are tens of thousands of books written about it. <laughs> well, let's. If 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 Aretha wrote a book about it, even that would be redefined. That's yes. how she was. That's who and what she was. She was a, a, a born a truly gifted person, and born to share those gifts with the globe, not any specific genre of it. And and then to be, and to be the, uh, I, to me one of the the most incredible feminists I've ever even, I've, I've ever even read about or heard about. She didn't do it without. She wasn't a feminist trying to be apart from men, but she wasn't at the table begging for scraps. Of right. Respect. She was demanding it, and her reason for it was very simple. I'm a good woman. I deserve a good man. I treat you good. I deserve to be treated good. As that's that's where that's the the the, the birthplace of all equanimity, isn't it? That's real. And mm-hmm. next time y'all want to talk about legends, Pebo just gave you the blueprint. That's what makes a legend. So, Kyle, <laughs> let's talk about this new album Pebo got. Go on, man. Well, before we get into the new album, Pebo, you know, you mentioned these legends, and you've been long enough, you've been around long enough to see the evolution of R&B from, you know, when you first started up until now. I guess, from your perspective, what's been your outlook on R&B and how it's changed over the years? I'd love to hear your honest opinion on that. Okay, uh, uh, what it is and how it's changed at this particular point is, first of all, the way we make music has changed. Uh, and you either keep up with the technology as it goes or you fall behind and you stay behind. Uh, like any other technology in, in today's world. I mean, you have to embrace it as it comes. If you sleep on it for... Uh, two generations of, of, of technology and you're already so far behind, you, you'll be doing some major catch-up. So uh, I've learned how to, I've had to learn how to make music uh, over a dozen different times, you know, because the technology changes, it changes, it changes, it changes, it changes. So you adapt with it. Also, um, 
the music kind of changes. It's not as musical as it was. I mean, because, and I think that the reason for that is not for the sake of sparseness as much as it is that young music producers don't actually know those chord progressions. Mm-hmm. The vocalist is singing. You know, they don't know them, so they, they're not played. So you have a breakdown or you have a vocal interpretation. Because <laughs> to compensate for the lack of musicianship, and that that takes me back to Aretha Franklin again, such a great musician. I mean, uh, so how did it change? Um, Content-wise, it changed dramatically uh, because the social climate kept changing and right. relationships started to mean something totally different. Until there was no such thing as a relationship, then there were hookups. Mm-hmm. So now, now, now you don't even have hookups. You now we have Tinder. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just saying. So uh, uh, if we're we're moving in, uh, unfortunately, at a, an alarming rate to me towards uh, virtual interaction with each other. I mean, humanity is not going to be humanity because our phones are going to be having the fun. <laughs> to, to me, it seems like our phones are having more fun than we are. I know my phone's having more fun than me. <laughs> That's real talk. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just. If you know something that's different, school of brother. School like I said, people. I have not heard a lie yet on this podcast. Well, well, no, we I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know. So, so, what are we doing here? I mean, do have we lost the the the, the fundamental concept of what a relationship is? Or uh, and and if you're building a relationship on anything that does that's not based on friendship. It's all fairy glamour anyway, you know. Right. All those mm-hmm. other components of of a relationship not built on that will fade. They'll they'll yep. fade whether you, you it's built on friendship or not. They'll just fade faster, and you, you, the memory will last uh, shorter. <laughs> the memory of it will last shorter, but it's all the same. So all other things in a, in, a, in in this life will fade, but friendship will not. That's the one thing that we adhere to. If you're trying to do friendship right. And it's the one thing that we try with because friendship is is an actual choice that we make, and it's something that it's a, it's one of the few choices that we make that offers another person something we can actually do. <laughs> you know, it's right? Not, it's not a it's not a conceptual or rhetorical thing that you're offering somebody, and it does and it's not based on how we look together or <laughs> with some. I almost I said almost said something that that you can't say on radio. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. I lost my head for a moment, but but this is a very passionate subject for me. Hence, my new album, Stand for Love, which I've always stood for and will always stand for, because at the end of the day, all these trends, even Tinder will not mean the same thing 10 years from now, not even five years right. from now, maybe not even right. two years from now, That then people have to realize that these are simply trends that will pass into the deadwood like any other card game that's being played as we speak. Right. Just, just saying. I mean, you know, so you're going to have to at some point do the real thing with somebody. And if you're suffering from arrested development at that particular point, I mean, 
it's like sleeping on the technology. Mm-hmm. You're going to be too far behind to catch up. Right. And it's going to hurt. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can tell you that. And you right. know, it's it, to write a to write a love song. Uh, Bob Cowden had here to write a a, a a real love song about real life. You have to ha- have had your butt kicked from one end of the Kroger parking lot to the other end of the public parking lot <laughs> yep. and back, and 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 be the one wiggling on the ground in agony, and 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 then panic when you realize the person that just rolled over you and is looking in the rearview mirror and do you see the the reverse lights go on? They're coming back to, to make certain that oh. you stay still this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, see, that's a good point. Um, you know, your, your your current single, Love Like Yours and Mine, that's a song that sure. has really resonated with um, our audiences. Is that why you think it's one that's connected even with this new generation? Because, like you said, the elements of a love song are the elements of a love song. Can and I tell you? Those, that? This song has that. Is that what that's, makes it kind of stand out? Ed, that's the question, and 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 you are absolutely right. You're following this thing in a way that you're making me proud. You're doing your, your parents proud, man. And <laughs> and Kyle, your silence and your 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 subtle in, in, in interjections are 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 making me proud too. Because you you like you said, I mean you 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 you're on a self-appointed uh, self-imposed learning curve at this particular point. I ain't mad at you for that. Because right. if, if 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 anything comes from this conversation, I hope that all of us walk away from it wiser. Right. So mm. to, to to answer your question, let me just say this: Here's a secret that nobody knows. I've been approached by my neighbors directly across the street from me, three daughters. Uh, um, the youngest is just entering into college, and the oldest found me sit, sitting on the porch and walked up my long driveway and looked at me like, you know some things. <laughs> let, me, mm-hmm. let, let me ask you, I know the boyfriend, you know, these the, the movie star looks, the star, I mean, the cross star and the whole nine yards. Uh, guys today think that if they're, if they're not being, if, if they're being at least thoughtful and, and, and somewhat considerate, that... They're better men than they are, <laughs> right? You know? right. The standard's so mm-hmm. low at this particular point. But but if you if you have your parents and your parents love each other as an example of what a real relationship is, then you know at some point they're going to fall short. Do you understand? Because you can't sell somebody something that that doesn't truly exist. Eventually, the coffer is going to be empty, right? So um, right. she's looking at me, and I'm going. I said, "So what did he do?" She said. She didn't say anything. I said, he doesn't get it, does he? She said, no, he doesn't. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> sit down. Let me tell you uh, what what is. And we ch- we chatted about what the state of relationships is for, for a 21, 22, 23, 24, 25-year-old uh, and, and upwards. It's the same. They don't, they don't, guys don't get it. Their, their focus is on something totally different. And it's not what they're bringing to the relationship. It's not uh, how many doors they're opening or uh, how much consideration they truly are giving. I mean, is it is it just a dog and pony show, or do you mean what you do? Or, or, or can you think of something meaningful to do as a gesture 
that will let somebody uh, that you that you involved with think of you as being exceptional in some sort of way. You know, um, perfunctory just does, this just is not it's not getting it. But I had the same conversation with my granddaughter, different, slightly different generation, just slightly over twenty four society, but the same exact conversation. They all mm. have the same problems with relationship. It it transcends race, religion, politics. It does not matter. It, so when you when when I release a song like Love Like Yours and Mine, and it's about a relationship that actually works, mm-hmm. <laughs> people two people actually cherish each other. <laughs> it's I mean it's. At the end of the day, we're human beings, and it's what we're going to want. It's what we're going to need, something meaningful between myself and somebody else or themselves and someone else. Finding that person is has become more difficult in this in this era, this day and age, than ever before in, in human history in America. In America. I'm not saying that's, the, that's around the world, but I think it's somewhat – Someone asked me how did I find a, 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 a beautiful woman like like my wife, and mm-hmm. uh, they, you know, my friends, uh, they they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> my friends hate me, but uh, this attitude that I'm talking about made my wife entirely possible for me. I'm a southern gent. On top of that, these things are second nature to me. That's mother's milk. I was raised on that politeness. That <laughs> it, 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 I mean, come on, man. And, no, that's and could, that's a South I, Carolina wisdom. That's what that is. I'm from Virginia. I know. You about know what it. I'm talking about. And I can cook. And oh, love to do that's, it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, tell, I mean, I said, "Well, they said, why does she stay?" I said, "Well, my, my wife stays for the food and the sex." <laughs> <laughs> I, Draws I, in the green beans. That's what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, it's it's uh, always in the in the beans and the consideration, mate. Uh, I am a very considerate person. That means I'm a very considerate lover. And And it also shows in every bit of your music, including this new album. Um, It's almost time for us to wrap up. But before I let you go, I wonder if you're having too much fun, mate. I know. I'm (laughs) like, man, we got another hour to go. But I want you before you head out, um, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about your new album? We've talked about it here on the podcast before. We all love it. The single probably going to be one of our top songs of the year. What would you like to our listeners to know about this new project? Uh, just to reiterate what it stands for and, and why standing for love is so important at this particular point. I mean, it's the one thing that we have that we 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 possess that we have leave to give somebody if we choose to allow them into our universe. Now, I don't have any illusions, and I'm, I don't need to give anybody the illusion that you have some kind of control over love, because that's not true. Uh, saying this is, is prefaced by saying by by re- reminding everyone that love don't love nobody. Ooh, <laughs> yes, so I want to tell them. <laughs> I'm just telling you. So love is a is an entity all its own. I read something that I was when I was 14 that it's resonated with me my entire life, and it's all throughout my music. It stayed with me. It said. Love is sufficient unto love. Its only desire is to fulfill itself, which makes you and I and anybody else inconsequential to love. It don't care. It don't love you. It loves itself. Mm. Love is big. It's bigger than you and me. It's 
always been bigger than you and me. It's always going to be bigger than you and you and me. My invitation with this music is to invite people to choose to have love in their life in a in a forward sort of way, so that it paves the way for and is and is an essential part of every single thing that you do. If you attach love to those things in your life and the things into the the portions of your life that you can control, it's the atmosphere has got to be better. It's got to improve. Everything is going to improve. Everything is going to become more clear. I mean, it's it's not love is not some vague and nebulous thing that that people are trying to make it now. I mean, it's the, the R and B has changed in that regard, making love vague and nebulous or about how much bling you got and uh, how much how how shiny is the bling and and that that's got nothing to do with the relationship and that's got nothing to do mm-hmm. with being happy so when when you think of that when you if that's all you can talk about then you need to stand on the sideline for a moment and figure and watch those who do understand what love is and do uh, embrace it and 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 mm-hmm. then figure out what you have to say and then say it you either become a part of this or you fall behind and if you fall behind and you're suffering from that kind of arrested development, then you don't really have anything to offer. Uh, it's This album is all about all kinds of love, not just the romantic kind. It's about love in general, and which that's my thing. It always has been, always will be. The other thing I read when I was 14 about love, it said this. Seek not to direct, to direct the course of love. For love, if it finds you worthy, will direct your course. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, all right then. Let me let me uh <laughs> let me step back and 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 see if I can uh interact and meld myself to this whole this this kind of love, you know, and if you can if we can get everybody going in that direction, everything is going to improve. I mean, I I think that humanity's suffers a bit of a blow every single day. But there, there are a lot of good people in this world. There are a lot of great artists, and there, 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 there are a lot of young, great artists, a lot of young, great music out there, a lot of young, great talent out there. We just need to figure out what to say and how we're going to help. Everybody can't be a capitalist, you know. Right. You, what you do mm. and what you say has an impact on your community and the pe- and every person that that hears it. So make certain when you when you when you have an audience of more than three people that you're saying something that's going to help and not something that's going to hinder and, and and not something just to make you another dollar for some more blank. Well, that's right there. Tebow has been educating y'all. At the end of mm-hmm. the day, you can stand on the sidelines. Or you can stand for love. That's what he's telling these artists. That's what he's telling us. So, Pebo, thank you so much for joining us today, man. This was a joy. Ed, Kyle, no, it was. You guys are. are I think what you do is really important, and I, I really am honored, and, and I can't thank you enough for having me. No, absolutely, well, thank people. You, so and, you much. know, no, people. We we started off with a bang with the Aladdin comment. Well, I got to end it with a bang. Just like you, I'm also looking for Shadi. So there you have it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. There you go, Kyle. I get you. I got it. You, you, deserve, you earned that one. Yes, he yes. did. <laughs> All right, people, we appreciate you uh, taking the time out for this. And uh, like I said, we're going to continue to support the album, support you. You know, when we heard that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were working with you, we were well, definitely excited and you delivered. Let me... 
let me not leave this this podcast without talking about the great Jam and Lewis. These are two of the greatest music producers on this planet. No and question. The lack of I, I tell you what's stunning about working with them the the absence of ego and self importance is palpable. And you keep waiting for that, that the other shoe to fall, and it's just never going to happen, mate. That's not who they are. Their passion and zeal for authenticity is second to none. They're not trying to make some kind of extended version of themselves. They don't care who does it, and, and you can be as involved as your skill set goes, uh, as 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 involved as your skill set will take you. That means if you write, you, they, they encourage you to write. If you compose, they encourage you to compose. If yeah. you sing, they, they encourage you to sing. I mean, that's just the way they are. That's who and what. I've never been in an, uh, a recording environment like it ever. It is totally unique. And the way it should be done, they should do a symposium on it, and they should be teaching at Berkeley. Mm. I would be the first one for that class. Listen, man, yeah, me too. Legends, absolutely. And, so and, people... uh, and the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say is this: I, I, it's losing Aretha Franklin for me. Losing the Queen of Soul for me personally is has been very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, uh, Someone I loved and someone I knew loved me in, in a, an extraordinary sort of way. Her presence and, 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 and the offering of friendship to me validated me in a way that I can I can never be unvalidated. You know, uh, it's something that will last. It's like uh, winning a Grammy and Oscar and an Emmy and, and, and a Golden Globe all in the same year. You know, it, right. it's... It's mm. something no one could ever take away from you. It's a, a singular, unique experience. Uh, I, I think the only travesty that we could commit is to allow ourselves to forget her in any way, shape, or form for even five seconds. Right, right. You know, because you've got to realize the impact of all that music. She taught us more about emotion than than and physicality and and sexuality and relationship than Doctor Doctor George Brothers, uh, Masters and Johnson, and and, and Freud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, if I'm honest here, and 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 you can throw a William Shakespeare in just for giggles. I mean, that's yeah. Kings and queens of, uh, around the world. I mean, you know that it's everybody knows. Everybody knew there was nothing she couldn't do. She was not pigeonholed to one thing. That's the only reason that the the whole pigeonholing in, her into uh, uh, the queen of soul, which she was. And but in the way I see it, what the queen of soul means is every soul, not something that identifies a a race or a genre of music because she transcended all of those things in every way that, it, that that's even possible and some we hadn't even thought of yet. And we and if we were to sit here and try to talk about her accolades and her accomplishments, not only the fact that she was a great activist, great feminist, great humanitarian, great poet, great musician, great friend, great mother, great sister, I great wife, great everything. I mean, you got to understand this. The only travesty is is lest we forget 
any of those yes. things. And if we don't yeah. know, we should research it. Tebow, well, thank you again. Thank you so much Absolutely. for taking the time out. This was a pleasure. Well, the pleasure was mine, mate. Cheers. And there you have it, Ed. People, Bryson, man, we didn't even pay for that lesson. We got it for free. We definitely should have paid. You should donate some money. Good. Well, man, listen, sometimes, and a lot of my younger listeners might not understand, but sometimes when you have wisdom at the table like that, you just got to sit back and let it go. You just got to let it just filter it. Like, you can't filter it out. Just absorb all of it. Peebo was hitting y'all with some stuff. So, very, very glad to have him. Um... (laughs) When I tell my uncles and aunts and parents and grandparents about this, this will be the most legit podcast in the world because it ain't real until an artist from their generation came through. So, Peebo is somebody I've loved and somebody they're going to love, and I hope that you all got a little bit out of his musical wisdom because he was dropping PhD-level knowledge on y'all. Yeah, because I'm normally, you know, I'll drop a couple of things here and there, but I was just listening the entire time because he had so much to share. And uh, speaking of knowledge and wisdom, uh, we're going to throw that all out the window, Ed, because it's time for our Play a Please Award. Oh, my Lord. Play it. The whole podcast theoretically could have been Play a Please Award. There have been that many L's given out this past week. Oh, my goodness. What is happening? Uh, I don't even know. Ed, like normally I'll give you one, maybe three Play a Please, but we have, I don't know. We're going to have to try to do this one by one. Um, let's start out with... Tiana Taylor versus Jeremiah. Oh my goodness! Give give the folks a good recap of that if they haven't been in tune into that Twitter war. Well, first and foremost, let me just say that I've never really cared for Jeremiah, and neither have you. I think "Birthday Sex" was um, the only song that you yeah. you've ever liked from him. Um, Correct. I don't I don't think I even really liked "Birthday Sex," but him and Tiana Taylor. Um, they were headlining a tour together, and I think that's very important to point out right now that it was a, uh, a, a joint tour. No one was the opening and no one was cl- the closer, but um, they did a couple of uh, stops together, and it appeared that Jeremiah ended up being the final act for every concert, including the New York show, which is where Tiana is from, and she wasn't very ha- very happy about that. But the story goes deeper than that, Ed. Tiana believes that Jeremiah has been manipulating... Um, her stage um, and her show apparently you know she's accusing him of spilling water on stage so that oh you know, my gosh so she was so tripping she's and falling <laughs> she's slipping and Jeremiah is to blame for that um, it was a lot to it Tiana decided to drop out of the tour called Jeremiah a bunch of words that we're not allowed to say on this podcast and that was that and then here comes the play of please Ed so remember, I just told you Tiana dropped out of the tour, but a day later, Tiana announced her own tour, and it turns out that she actually got Jeremiah removed from that tour. So Jeremiah is no longer touring, and Tiana is uh, doing it solo. So how Wait, did she go from you... dropping out of? <laughs> That's amazing. She dropped out of a tour to dropping him from his own tour, and essentially setting up her own tour. And if I remember right, if you bought tickets. To Jeremiah's show, you can take him to Tiana's show and use yep. him there. Like, this is the craziest mm-hmm. boss move I have ever heard of 2018. Now, I don't know who's at fault because it comes into a whole bunch of he said, she said foolishness. However, the fact that Jeremiah got bumped from his own tour is the most hilarious thing I have heard this week in a week of tons of hilarious stuff. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, like you would have to do a lot to piss off. Well, I don't guess you don't really have to do a lot to piss off Tiana Taylor, but to get pissed, to get dropped out of your own tour is remarkable. <laughs> but Ed, I did, I did a little bit of googling, and it appears back in 2016 when he was on tour with Party Next Door, they got into a little scuffle as well, and it got to the point where one show. Jeremiah didn't even decide to go on stage. He just sent out a body double to do the whole uh, performance for him. And wait a minute, player! Wait a minute! (laughs) He sent out a body double. First of all, who on earth looks like Jeremiah? Secondly, is this like when remember when they had the the in the NWO and they had the NWO Sting and he would come out and he was supposed to be like the real Sting, even though he looked nothing like him. He had a different haircut. He had a big old nose. And the announcers were like, that's Sting. He's like, dude, that ain't Sting. So they're sending out some Jeremiah body double. Oh, my goodness. This is so hilarious to me. So, you know, shout-outs to Tiana Taylor because I tweeted it out. Every L for Jeremiah is a win for real R&B. And Tiana Taylor did what we've been hoping for a long time, and that's for somebody to stop this Jeremiah madness that has been going on for way too long. So shout out to Tiana Taylor for that one. Listen, sometimes you got to take your victories when you can get them. She kept that same energy, so good for her for doing it. She lived up to her billing. Mm-hmm. Uh, ready for more R&B beef, Ed? Oh, I'm ready. 112. We talked about them... A couple of weeks ago, we found out that they had broken up, that it was just Mike and Slim uh, on tour, and I believe Q and Duran have a show coming up in Sacramento. I think Miss Superwife told us that, so that is certainly interesting, but like everything else that happens in 2018 in social media, we gotta, we gotta spill the tea, Ed, and Slim oh, certainly did Lord. that. Boy, did and they really, do what that is. Really, what it comes down to is money and, you know, management. So, nothing new, but Ed, Slim was throwing shade and throwing names and he was calling people snakes. What's going on? That was the best part. If you look at this Instagram post, I'm sure it's still floating around. hasn't been deleted yet. The funniest part is, like, he ends the statement with a bunch of snake emojis. It is the weirdest thing ever. First, Drew Hill breaks up. Now 112. So can we get the scraps of 112 to join the scraps of Drew Hill? We can have Woody. We can have Jazz. Whoever else wants to be in 112. Call it Hill 112. There you go. Ah, jeez. I mean, hopefully 112 gets it together. I mean, they're a huge part of, obviously, your childhood growing up. You love 112. You want to see them together. But I I guess good on Good on Slim and Mike for continuing to continue with the legacy because they're going to continue to tour. And, um, I mean, it's not the same, obviously. I've seen clips of 112 performing now when it's Mike, Slim, and two backup dancers who, I guess, have <laughs> taken the place of Duran and Q. But, I mean, I'm seeing them, Ed, in a week, so I'll let you know how that is. We got to have a report of how this goes because, I mean, as we've talked about before, I love 112. I love them individually. I think individually they're all strong artists. But they're better as a group. And it's weird that it's only going to be two plus two Jeremiah backup clones. I think there just must be a closet full of fake Jeremiah androids. And people just throw those (laughs) out whenever they need a body double anywhere. And then we got poor Duran and Q 
over here hanging out with Woody and Jazz and um, Scola, whoever's left of Drew Hill. So, man, R&B is so weird this week. What is going on this month? Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of Jeremiah and Tiana, one of the things that Tiana had accused Jeremiah of doing on stage is like, there, you know how like some artists, they have like a medley section where they perform like little parts of their hit records for like yeah. a good like five minutes or 15 or so. So Jeremiah, during his medley section, he literally just sits on a chair and like, I guess goes through the motion and sings each song, but he's sitting on a chair for like a good 10 minutes, not doing anything. Why does he sit? And see, y'all laughed at Jazz sitting on the speaker. And you got Jeremiah. What's Jeremiah's excuse to be sitting on a chair? Uh, if you don't get I, your bones up, get get some calcium in your diet or something. You too Ed, skinny and young ha- to be that unhealthy. We might to ha- we might have to hire people as like the R and B advisor for some of these singers out here. <laughs> My <laughs> we might God. have to do that. People I have them up there cooking collard greens and talking about standing for love, but at least Peebo can stand up. Jeremiah can't. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What's wrong? Your ankles bad. Get up. Uh, um. Now, Drew Hill. This isn't really R and B beef, but we got to talk about Drew Hill. We talked about their photo last week, Ed, with Smokey. Oh my goodness! Yes, we talked about the photo. And last week when we talked about the photo, to be honest, I wasn't one hundred percent sure if they really were the. What we're talking about is there was a promotional photo of the new Drew Hill, which included kind of the older members and the two. Um, remaining members of player. So they are the new members of Drew Hill. But this photo op they had looked really dicey. My man Smokey's shoes looked like they were melting into the ground like the T-1000 Terminator or something. So mm. people, and Kyle was one of them, was like, I think this is Photoshop. And me, trying to give my boys the benefit of the doubt, I'm like, I don't know. Well, Kyle was right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the original photo, the non Photoshop uh, version of the of it, finally surfaced on the internet. Ed, we were trying to predict for a week what Smokey was actually wearing. He was wearing slides and black socks. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> I am speechless. Like, why would you wear slides? I think he said that he was like Russian or something. There was some excuse no, he no. had for wearing slides. No, what the was excuse, excuse was the excuse was that. Um, the photographer and the team had said that they were only going to be shooting from waist up. So he was like, well, I might as well put on some sliders. They're not even going to shoot it. I'm good. But there Wait, was a miscommunication that's... between the photographer and the team. And we got the whole thing. Like, listen, I most people know, like, for my job, I wear a suit every day. Now, if I that's like me saying, oh, well, I'm going to be sitting behind the desk. I'll just wear the top of my suit. But under the desk, I'm actually wearing boxers with little hearts on them and flip flops. If you're going to do it, just go all the way out, dude. And shout out to Smoke, because everybody knows Smoke and and Black are like two of my all time favorites. Love me some Smokey. But play. Mm -hmm. We need to do better. Also, I don't buy that story. I don't buy that story. I think they he just probably forgot to bring his shoes. You think he went there barefoot? Now you have Tom with your foot fetish. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, can we get into some more play of please? Because that pretty much covers oh. the R&B beefs. Uh, but we oh, have we got plenty some, more to go. Some more foolishness going on. Yes. Um, so we talked about Aretha Franklin pretty heavy on this podcast, Ed. Fox News, did you hear about this? Oh, I yes, I did. 
And I'm looking at it right now. Fox News has Aretha Franklin passes away, but it's a photo of Patti LaBelle in that uh, in that frame. <laughs> Ed, do they not do their Wikipedia research? That's unacceptable. Player, I think the Fox News crew see a old black lady and just think they all are the same. Patti LaBelle, Regina Bell, Regina King, Coretta Scott King, they're all the same to them. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Player, and if you go by the rumor in the street, um, Aretha and Patty were always on the best of terms. So I think the ghost of Aretha is going to come to Fox News. She's going to put that purse down like in that gift and go up somebody's head for putting her and stealing her spotlight. Poor Aretha can't even get a goodbye message without Patty lurking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speculate speculate like Tom does and say that Fox probably did it on purpose. They've been notorious for doing some crazy things like that. I will not, Most of Tom's speculation makes me want to vomit on my keyboard, but I would not be surprised. They do stuff. They troll intentionally because they know mm-hmm. to get them attention. So that would not surprise me. But it also wouldn't surprise me. They would have no idea what Aretha Franklin actually looks like. Right. Um, the last play of Please I Have, Ed... I have it down in my notes, but I'm not really sure what you're talking about here. Tevin Campbell, why did why is he getting to play it, please? Oh, my goodness. Boy, I don't know how you missed this one. So, let me back it up for you, because a lot of our listeners, this was the hot topic over on the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook. So, go join that if you haven't already. Oh, my goodness. So, there's a blogger by the name, blogger, kind of influencer personality by the name of Awesome Lovey, and... Most people, some of our listeners are very familiar with her. Some of them may not be. You can kind of kind of compare it to kind of Issa Rae. Not quite, but she's sort of in that vein. Anyway, I keep trying to tell y'all about these blue checks. These blue check influencers y'all love. Just because they blue don't mean they true. Because they don't know what they're talking about all the time. Unless we're talking about me. I got a blue check. I know what I'm talking about. So you're good with your boy. Anyway. Right. So Shout out to all the she... public figures out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Jay so, Holiday uh, reference. <laughs> oh my gosh, let's skip that. So, there was a discussion on Twitter about who should perform at the Aretha Franklin tribute. And someone mentioned the awesome lovey, Tevin Campbell. Now, she says something to the effect of, Tevin Campbell, what rock did y'all pull her, him from out of? In her defense, I also, I love Tevin. I don't necessarily think that I would put Tevin up there for an Aretha tribute. Like, he, would, he wouldn't come to mind. But her comment was so dismissive and so, I don't know, so backhanded that there was an influx of Tevin fans. And I'm not just talking about fans. I'm talking about Missy Elliott. I'm talking about Wale. I'm talking big names who went ballistic and told Awesome Levy to go sit down and act like, we didn't have a world without can we talk and round and round and alone with you and I'm ready and goodbye and always in my heart and tell me what you want to do and strawberry level 23 and back to the world. I mean, play, I can go on and on. The point is, dog, we need to start respecting our veterans and stop making everything a joke because if Tevin had passed away, these same people saying, who is he, would be all on Facebook and Twitter professing their love. These aren't, there was a point in Tevin Campbell's career, I know y'all don't know this because, men, this kind of predates some of our listeners. 
when people talked in early 90s about the next MJ, Tevin Campbell was that name. I mean, mm. it didn't work out because for uh, for many reasons that you'll get to if you have a whatever having to on Tevin on soulandstereo.com. Google that and you can get all the background on that. But Tevin was that dude. And if you listen to him vocally, he is still that dude. He's lost a little step with age, but he's still that dude. We need to start respecting our veterans and stop making everything memes, everything jokes, and remember where we came from. The artists that you love and enjoy today would not be here if not for the Peebos and the Aretha's and the Tevins and everybody else who set the pace. So while you out here fighting over Jeremiah and his army of androids and party next door and whatever else, if not for those guys that you enjoy... You got to go back and salute the veterans. So show love to the forefathers. That's all I'm saying. Okay, good. So that wasn't a uh, play of please for for Tevin Campbell. That's actually a play of please for the R&B fans out there, which makes it two times in three weeks because the Darnell Jones incident, the high five Darnell <laughs> Jones incident, and now the people that are slandering my boy Tevin. I'm glad we're all on the same page because we got to put we some are... respect on. We got to put some respect on Tevin's name. You better had, or I'm going to come out there and make sure that respect is put out there. And again, I will say that most of the responses I saw were very, very positive. Tevin is still beloved to this day. I was surprised by so much love that he's shown. But everyone, for the most part, I saw 90% positive. There is few times on this thing called social media where you can get a large number of people to actually agree on one thing. And most of us agree that Tevin Campbell is awesome. So I'm glad we could come together for one day to fight the forces of evil. Now, y'all acting a fool today, I'm sure, and fussing about something else. But for that one day, we were good. Yep, yep. Now, before I let you, uh, you know, plug in so and zero and everything that's going on with that, um, one of the mm-hmm. messages that I took away from this whole podcast with your stuff and Peebles talks is uh, we got to start respecting our legends especially with Aretha Franklin passing away, Ed, I've got one um, special thing that I want to say. Okay. Did you know that Ashanti won the Aretha Franklin Award when she first came out? You really want me to hurt you today, don't you? (laughs) You really want me to put you in the ground today, don't you? Actually, I remember that being like super controversial at the time. I but, remember uh, that being very controversial, and of course you would bring that up. That's the all of the Aretha articles and tributes we'd heard. You would bring that one thing up. I had to, uh, but what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Oh my gosh, I know what should be going on. I should be dialing Barry's number anyway. SoInStereo as. <laughs> I'm glad we could get that in. In memory of Tom. Um, Soul and Stereo, like many other sites across the, the, the web, we have this we have dedicated the last few weeks, I mean last few days to Aretha's career. So go check out some um I think I have a post called Seven Times that your favorite rappers sample Aretha's classics. There are some songs that you might not even realize are Aretha Franklin songs. And she has been the backing to some of your favorite songs, be it um, selfish from Slum Village or some hits from Most Deaf. Even Cameron, which is one of the songs, my favorite Aretha song is Daydream, and Cameron sampled that. I forgot about that until after I hit publish on the post. I was like, man, I should have made eight songs. 
But mm-hmm. Aretha is the voice behind many of your favorite songs, and we detail seven of the best over on Soul and Stereo. And it's been a minute, but we got up a new love letters, and it's a doozy. There's a woman who said that she had gotten a friend request from an ex-boyfriend. So she accepted it. And then a couple days later, she comments on some of his pictures. Then suddenly, this ex and, you know, her, this ex slash new friend, his wife tries to friend the original question poser. And so she's worried. Should I be worried? I'm just trying to be friends with my ex. But his significant other is suddenly Facebook stalking me. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on on soulandstereo.com. A whole lot of drama as usual in Love Letters Land. You know, if I were in that situation and uh, my ex's lover tried adding me, I would add him back. And then my wall would just be slander. <laughs> but it would be like subliminal sta- slander. It would be like, yeah, I hate it when people add me on Facebook. Book, but they don't oh my god! Actually, don't do that. That's I'm past that now. <laughs> Play I, nothing gets on my nerves worse than subtweeting. I'm gonna have to bring mm-hmm. Pebo back so he can talk some sense in you. Exactly. Uh, but in terms of you know, I got so uh, actually Ed, I just interviewed Sean Stockman yesterday of Voice to Men. I know we were supposed to have him on the Soulback podcast a few weeks ago, but yeah, did you ask him where he yet? So, guys, um, this is the part of the podcast where uh, you don't tweet E.T. Bowser. You don't even mention it on Twitter, but I'm just going to keep it real <laughs> with you guys. Uh, because, Ed, the other thing is if you've made it this far into the podcast, you deserve some gems from, from Good that is, Pile, right? That is true. If you're here at this point, you deserve a bonus. Give it to him. So, you know how, like, we announce these like artists and them joining the podcast in it and they don't actually end up on the podcast the following week for whatever reason um it's not our fault with sean in particular he just forgot to call in that day and that was it i think mario that was the same with mario actually so um yeah so now that you guys know that it's not our fault i promise you that but we are going to try to get them back uh with sean i don't know if he's going to come back um i do actually have his personal number but um yeah we can't be giving out personal numbers on this podcast but we did get an interview with him and he talks about the new album and everything that comes with that so i'll have that on the site soon and hopefully we'll get mario on this podcast we'll get ashanti on this podcast um we'll get brandy on the podcast ed do you want anyone on the podcast you know there's only one person who is at the top of my list oh right the king we'll get himself Jeremiah on We'll get Jeremiah oh on the podcast as well. <laughs> no, I want to talk to Jeremiah's android. I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk Not to right. what the day in the life of a stunt double. That's what I want to talk about. Exactly. Can I no, say one get... thing real I'll say yeah, one thing ahead. real quick that's going to get me in trouble with Tom ain't here. To the artists out here, I you know, very huge shout out to Peebo, who is someone who I consider one of the legends in the game, who has seen it all, 40-year career. I really, I think it means a lot when they take the time out to come yeah. and talk to us about their music and to talk about their legacy and to kind of continue the the footsteps that they put. So to the artists who are out there who accept the invitation and don't take it seriously, to the artists who are like, oh, I forgot, or the artists who want to promote music and are like, I can't find a way to promote my music, play it. This is the opportunity to do it. This is the opportunity to reach the audience that you want because you're talking to diehard R&B fans. This is your chance to give back. This is your chance to promote. 
And this is your chance to continue to build upon your legacy. Don't waste this chance. See, in I summary, don't. In summary, show up to the podcast. Don't suck. And if you're mad, tweet at ET Bowser. <laughs> oh well, everybody knows that anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, Ed. So that wraps up this week's episode of the Soulback Podcast. I'm gonna go and listen to people bryson's album i know you're still stuck on that queen album by Nicki minaj so i'm gonna leave you to that and we're gonna we're gonna call it a weekend oh i'm gonna leave you all right if you talk about that queen album yes go listen to Peebo, and we'll see y'all next week